All right, everybody. Are you ready for a spectacular show? Introduce the original bad hombre, the amazing nerd, the hardest working Antifa boys on George Soros's payroll. With Pablo Morale Martinez and Ernesto Mancibo, only on Radio Free Brooklyn. Again, thank you for the illustrious intro by Lander Laurel. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, and you're listening to the Robots vs. Taxes program with uh, me, Pablo, and of course, my uh, compatriot, my brother-in-arms, E. Yo. Um, what's up so what's up dude um how's your week been how you doing have you been hydrating what's, yes what's the <laughs> i've been hydrating i've been uh waiting with bated breath to see if this weekend the country would have burned down but luckily it has not yet yeah. so <laughs> wait till wednesday yeah yeah the big the big eye um yeah I think uh I think like anything the knuckleheads will uh puff their chat chests out but uh there's so much overwhelming uh preparation going on I don't see another January 6th happening fingers crossed you know so I really hope not Yeah Really 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 hope but yeah uh I am fairly concerned for the 6th um, as are many Americans, many logical, reasoning, thinking Americans mm. um, who are concerned for the future of this country are just hoping for a smooth transition in this era w- of Trump that basically is, uh, I mean, if he said that he was going to run America like one of his like the United States like one of his businesses he succeeded because he <laughs> ran it right into the fucking ground ah oh, jeez uh, everything everything is just you know white supremacists are super emboldened uh, the economy is in the shitter and before inauguration day actually most likely by tomorrow night we will have hit 400,000 deaths due to COVID-19 in this country, um, which is quite a mark because we hit 300,000 around the same time last month. So um, it, it's definitely gotten worse uh, as time progresses, which is somehow, uh, surprisingly, uh, quite the opposite to what Dipshit45 said. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, you know, according to him, we just uh, according to Trump, we just keep on winning. <laughs> and uh, and I'm like, what fictional reality are you living in? And turns out it's the fictional reality where 70 million Americans live uh, because mm. they all not only voted for him, but um, so a small percentage of them. Um, feel the need to take the 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 law into their own hands, and uh, you know, uh, fuck Blue Lives Matter, uh, and uh, you know, and all that, and, and the Electoral College, which they put so much trust in, and uh, yeah, it, it's just 
it, it is the time of of uh, it is the time of the angry white person. Mm. Um, mm. It is it is the age. It is the age where they dress up like yaks and put blue face paint <laughs> on their faces. Oh man, could that dude do anything more to actually get caught? I mean, he's almost in every he's he's photobombing every fucking shot. But just to yeah. just to put a small small addendum to what you said in in regards to this being the age of the angry white person, I would say this is the swan song of the angry white person. Um, clearly, uh, if there's anything that's going to be encouraging through the shit show that was 2020, was that despite every effort put forward by the GOP and Trump, uh, sabotaging the mail, uh, disenfranchising voters, uh, trying to finagle laws to make it even harder to vote, uh, letting COVID-19 run rampant, they still couldn't win. And if anything, I think that has them freaked out, coupled with the fact that black people showed the fuck out this voting season. Like, if it, if not nationally, then definitely in Georgia. Because um, yes. <laughs> every every county that they tried to contest in regards to, oh, these aren't real votes. We should just throw them out. Happened to be predominantly black counties. So I'm just like, hmm, yeah. Could you be any more apparent? Yeah, I, I, you know, we. I feel like we can talk about the, the, the strange logic that these people adhere to especially you know trumpists and trump himself adhere to with regards to like uh the the why it is they think that they uh they think that the the that all voting was rigged mm -hmm. uh despite the fact that it, it they lost by seven million votes um and I, I feel like trying to decipher why they why it is that they feel that this this election was rigged. It's like trying to discuss time travel. It's like after a <laughs> while, it's like it stops making sense, and you're drawing straws, and you're you're you end up like that meme of like Charlie Day, you know, in front of that uh, that all, all those those pieces of paper, just like looking like a frazzled crazy person, but. But uh, uh, so uh, I take I, I take exception to that image because I think that's what I look like most of the time. But anyway, <laughs> yes, that is fucking bullshit. <laughs> and you know it. I'm just <laughs> like, but be further from the truth. But if you think about Roswell and everything that's happened ever since, you know, just just watch this documentary, dude. I'm telling you anyway. <laughs> Speaking of documentaries, uh, I checked out the uh, documentary called uh, "The Night uh, Night Stalker" about Richard Ramirez in the eighties. Dude, mm. if you want to be if you want to be spooked by a documentary that really, because uh, I feel like uh, um, true crime documentaries, murder murder documentaries have gotten too glamour. Like it's gotten so glamorous mm -hmm. and so like. It's so cool to discuss with your friends over my ties, the you know your favorite murder, 
And, <laughs> Jesus, yeah. Um, because it, yeah, right. Uh, I I get that that feeling like it's it, uh, like true crime podcasts and true crime docs are are so trendy. Right? They are. They really are. And this document, this documentary pulls no punches. It's so dark. It's so like the the character of well, he's not the he's not a character. He's a real person, but the figure of uh, this evil evil Swiss Army knife uh, of Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, is so frightening that uh, it really. It really takes all those things that are just like, like the trendiness of it, and it's just like, no, no, no. These, this is about a fucking serial killer, and he's fucking. He's like the most evil human being on the planet. And he was an evil human being that ran rampant for a very small amount of time, but uh, you know, um, it's it, it's it's really horrifying, disturbing, and disgusting. But if you if you want to check out like an unfiltered kind of like brutal documentary about a serial killer. That's the one to check out. I definitely will. I feel like I've been on a slight uh, murder doc uh, kind of kick uh, last night for the first time. I don't know if you've seen this one, um, Abducted in Plain Sight. Oh, I've heard about that. That's also something that's a little, that's chilling. Dude, when I tell you that this is some of the wildest shit that I've ever seen, I I can't emphasize this enough. Like you and producer of the show, Sabrina, should sit down, honestly, and watch this. Because this is one of those things where you're going to yell at the screen because you just can't believe that it's true. But it is. Um, okay. Yeah. And, and when you do, you know, just, just text me your reactions because... It's it's nuts. It's just everything about it is just nuts. It's counter to every thought that you've ever had in your head. But this happened. And it and that's all I'll say about that. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. I'll check that out too. Um hold on just a sec. Let's turn this up. Beautiful. Okay. So, um uh Ernesto you just you uh prescribed a <laughs> film for for me to check out and i i was i was honestly surprised by your pick this this, this week <laughs> i was honestly surprised cuz this is something of know. substance <laughs> well no it's not a something of substance i mean we've we've <laughs> From me, look, I know what I am. <laughs> yeah, no, dude, I mean, like it, it, you've you've made it fairly clear to me that you're just like I'm not. Uh, I'm. I tried to stay away from this kind of stuff. I don't want to kind of, uh, you know, um, watch things that kind of uh, have have heavy. It's it's heavy. That's the thing is it. it, it it has heavy historical tones, you know. I know we've had much much ado about our our, our review of uh, uh, the last black man in San Francisco. <laughs> it was very polarizing. So for you to come back and be like, you know, let's watch let's watch this, 
One Night in Miami, the Regina King film. By the way, she's doing a masterful job. Um, mm-hmm. Queen Regina King. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I was just surprised what, what brought this to the fore, you know? Mm. Well, I feel given the current political climate and everything that's happened in this country in the past year, um, I think everybody, uh, not just myself was primed for this type of film to come out, which sort of echoes, uh, what's happening in the current day and reflected with some of the uh, giants of yesteryear. Uh, the four characters highlighted in this film are Sam Cooke, Jim Brown, Cassius Clay, AKA Muhammad Ali, as well as Malcolm X. And um, when I saw the trailer for this film, I thought to myself, man, if there's any time when it's super important to revisit what people went through and have it highlight that it's still going on. It's, it's now, and it's in this film. Um, and I'm sure that Regina King is, is, wasn't like, you know, Oh wow. It's the perfect time for this film to come out because she's seeing the struggle that millions of Americans are going through. But if, if there could be any more and any more appropriate time for this film to drop, uh, it's definitely now. So I just, it just called to me. I was like, yeah, we got to jump into this. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I was definitely not expecting this kind of film. This film, uh, is, um, well, I, I was once I, once I actually saw like, once I saw the promo for it, I was like one night in Miami, what are we watching? Like, you know, <laughs> um, given and given the notoriety of like the one night in dot 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 kind of uh <laughs> films and i you know i was like uh so taken aback by the friendships represented in within the movie uh, you know the, the the uh the relationships between malcolm x uh jim brown um and with muhammad ali and with sam cook mm. Uh, like it was very powerful because I, I, I was definitely like expecting, look, I, I, I'll be honest with you for a second. I was just like, when is the white savior going to pop his rear, his ugly head mm. and like show up and rob the movie of its power. Right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, so glad that it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> Not even close. Which is so like it's so refreshing just to see like yes, just have just have like, you know, you know, black people just communicating with each other without like the interference of by the way, I'm here too. And it's like, fuck <laughs> off. I think I think under any other director, um, the white savior would have been Sam Cook's, I don't know, like road manager or something like that uh at the beginning of the film and sam cook just literally threw him out of the movie <laughs> it's just like ah, hey, you, sh- you sure bombed out there today he's just like have you ever made you know a quarter of a million dollars off a song you know get the fuck out of here never yeah. saw again <laughs> it's all it's always harrison ford it's like i believe in you <laughs> and, and, and 
Sam Cooke's like, oh, I don't know, I don't, I don't, you know, they they always relegate him, re- relegate, you know, black protagonists into like the Marty McFly character where they're just like, I don't talk, I don't know, I don't, I have all this talent. It's <laughs> like, no, Sam, you've got to believe, you know. Um, <laughs> you can write, change is gonna come, Sam. I, I don't know why I just changed it from Harrison Ford to Christopher Lloyd, but. <laughs> Well, you know, the Marty McFly, Christopher Lloyd pairing. Right, know, right, right, right. They go together. <laughs> right. Like right, right. wine and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so so I was really happy with that. The, uh, and, you know, I saw that this, the, the movie flows very much like a play. Yes. And I yes. was also, yeah, I was also. I also saw that it was adapted from a play. I'm sorry that I don't have my notes in front of me of saying that uh, who the play was written by. Uh, we'll add that as an addendum on our social media. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it does have this flow of a play where it's just like four dudes, four very famous icons, in one room, you know, in a hotel room. Uh, basically discussing the ins the ins and outs of what they mean mm-hmm. to the black community and what they mean like and how they feel is their like how to agree to put their best foot forward, mm-hmm. and it comes at a very pivotal time for each of them because each of them has have suffered some kind of personal like. Uh, downturn, you know, with uh, with uh, Muhammad Ali in the intro, he gets knocked. He gets knocked down by, uh, I believe it's the boxer's name is Henry Cooper. Yeah. Um, and then with uh, with uh, Malcolm X, he's talking about how he wants to leave the uh, the um, nation of Islam, the nation, the nation of Islam, and. Uh, and Sam Cooke, we as is later revealed, is kind of, kind of haunted. Well, you know, in, in the intro, he he suffers that whole fucking bullshit with uh, with performing to an all white audience that gives him the coldest shoulder at the Copacabana too, which he said was like his dream, and then whew, went straight into the ground. That was that was that went south fairly quickly. I, and then Jim uh, that, Jim Brown with that whole interaction with uh, <laughs> where where that dude was just like no 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 we don't allow n words into the house and I was just like fuck that man, was what the that was jar that scene was so jarring because the tension that uh, the actor Aldous Hodge displayed the whole time as soon as he came to the door and was speaking to the older individual. Um, I forget the actor's name, but you, you've seen his face a ton. Uh, He's Jeff Bridges' brother. He's Bo Bridges. Ah, okay. Well, they, those Bridges—they have you know the yeah. same face. Yeah. Um, and the whole time you could see this tension, looking as he looked this guy in the eye as he was showering him with compliments. He's just like, you know, you make us proud to be from Georgia, and this, that, and the other. Do you want some lemonade? And this, that, and the other. And you could tell Jim Brown was just like, you are full of shit and I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. And and right at the end when he's, he, he lets just a little bit of his guard down. He was just like, you know, maybe 
maybe I could help you go move that piece of furniture that you know your daughter uh, just mentioned. And when he dropped what you just said, um, I was, I had the same face uh, that the actor had in that scene where he just stood in the doorway with his jaw open, like he just he just said that to me, like he was talking about the weather, like it was so matter of fact. He was so completely. Um, dedicated to the notion that like oh no matter no matter how far no matter on what kind of pedestal i put you on you're still lower than me you're still not yeah allowed in the house you know it's no different than like my dog you know who sleeps in the yard yeah that that's that's the kind of thing where i i i don't know i i, I couldn't help but feel that 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 issue is still timely today where it just feels like um where where it's like yeah we will uh, i i feel like society now is like yeah you can you can be president you can make as much music that is consumed for by white audiences mm-hmm. we can watch you on film but if you were in person there's still a, a kind of like like a pullback where it's just like, Oh no, 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 no. Like we're not, we're, we're not equal here. You know? Um, I don't know. I, I just felt like that, that's still relevant today. Yeah. In different forms. I can't really pinpoint it right now. Um, but well uh, to bring up, it really struck me. I mean, to bring up an example, um, from a few years ago, uh, when Oprah, was uh, shopping at some like really upscale place, you know, place that we couldn't even afford to get through the door. But, you know, it's the type of place that people of Oprah's wealth shop. And uh, one of the sales associates was giving her like a real hard time in regards to some item that she wanted to purchase because he either he or she either did not know her or only saw her as a black woman it's like oh you can't really afford this and you know oprah's there with her entourage it's just like no i'm pretty sure i can you know and uh, (laughs) it's uh it's it's one of those things that no matter who you are um as a person of color in this country uh that it could it can still touch your life and it's and it's one of those things that that makes me laugh when i hear um you know clueless white folks talk about oh why would somebody like lebron james or any other celebrity uh talk about quote unquote the struggle and inequality like they're rich what do they have anything to complain about it's just like first of all you just highlighted right there why this country has always been so divided and why it's still divided because you think that if you are not directly of a group in that very moment, whether it be uh, socioeconomic or uh, ethnic, that you can't relate and therefore you shouldn't speak on it. Um, and, And secondly, do you not know where these people came from? You don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. Some people forget, but you don't really forget the struggle. Right. Uh, that's, that just calls to mind. You brought up LeBron James. Um, that, that brought up to mind that incident that uh, he had with 
uh, Lauren Ingram, Lauren Ingram, um. who on her uh, on her Fox News, you know, her uh, her, uh, you know, uh, basically it's the right wing, uh, you know, easy bake oven fascism hour. <laughs> Where she was just like, you know, LeBron James, shut up and dribble, you know, mm. you know, because uh, I don't see you as a human being, you know, you you shouldn't have opinions of yourself, you know, uh, you shouldn't have opinions about the the world at large. Just do the thing that I want you to do, and it's like, no, nah, no, we're not. That people shouldn't. Uh, this is he. LeBron James is a human being, and he he should talk. The way he fucking wants, you know. <laughs> uh, so she's the goddamn worst. Yeah, she is. Uh, I love how, like, uh, in the, in the, I'm sorry, going a little bit off track, but uh, in the days leading up to January 6th, you know, she was all gung ho about, uh, you know, we should, we should do things and uh, uh, fight for fight for the con- for our country and this and that you know veiled messages to the <laughs> to to veiled messages to to her her uh you know uh, idiotic uh brethren who are just like yeah let's go let's fucking riot into the capitol building and now she's all like oh i didn't really mean it guys i didn't mean it like i meant it but i didn't mean it mean it you mm. know Anyway, anyway, but besides that, let's let's go back to the movie. Uh, yeah, I was, um, I I just felt like this this uh, this film carried so much weight with regards to how how uh, scrutinized these four black icons were. And how like how difficult it was for especially what 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 struck the story that struck me the the most was Sam Cooke's story, mm. where he's just like you know I want to you know I I'm I want to sing but I want to own the songs mm-hmm. and I, uh, that are that are being sung by these white artists and then I'm not going after a piece of the pie I don't want the recipe mm-hmm. and I was like yeah fuck yeah and then. You know, Malcolm X comes back at him. Yeah, but you have you have the ears of the populace. Mm. You should use your voice as a weapon. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is it's it's such a tightrope to be in the public eye Mm. and to try to figure out what is the best course of action given that you come from a community that is marginalized and not looked uh, looked upon as being human, mm. you know, mm. being on the same wavelength as, or in the same standing as your, you know, run of the mill, you know, John Smith, where, you know, uh, the, the, the world around them is in a state of turmoil because it's like, because of what, because of, uh, you know the because of racial tensions because the green green book still exists by the way when they brought up green book mm. uh the green book uh and talking about how like it's they don't want to have to decide where when and where they have to say and at what time and and all these rules that go along with the green book i thought that that was kind of like a veiled swipe at the at that movie 
because I hate that movie. I really hate that the the the, the movie Green Book. I have. I don't know if you've seen it. I have not seen it yet. Oh man, that movie is so insulting. <laughs> wow, wow. Um, um, but the interaction between the the four main protagonists in this movie was so. It was so nuanced and representative of so many things. Uh, besides the events of their actual lives, they represented the the different avenues that people fight for freedom, um, especially in regards to civil rights in the United States. Um, there, the conversations between putting out artistry that. Uh, speaks to the struggle, which was Malcolm X's argument and Sam Cooke, as well as Jim Brown touching on this, that one of the most powerful paths to freedom is economic freedom. Um, To have the power to actually uh, shape the institutions uh, to which you contribute greatly, um, whether it's uh, whether it's black music being uh, being a hit during those times, the 50s and 60s, or the songs being covered by white artists and then going to heights that, you know, uh, black artists haven't even known. And in particular, the, um, the reaction of Sam Cooke, who was played by Leslie Odom Jr., uh, when... Malcolm X sort of dropped this nugget on him. I mean, you could tell that Malcolm was like, okay, he literally said, I got something for your ass, you know? And, oh. and he was like, Oh <laughs> dude, that, that I was, I wanted to, ju- I wanted to talk about this, that scene, man, that scene is, and he man, it definitely spoke to me. All right. <laughs> and, so go, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 for, for sure. For sure. And he, uh, he pulled out the song by Bob Dylan, right? Yeah, blown in the wind. Yeah, blown in the wind, and he broke down what the lyrics were in that song and how it spoke to the struggle, to the plight of marginalized people, and basically saying like, "You got, you gotta." It says a lot when, and I'm quoting him. He's just like, "When a white boy can speak so, um, so pointedly about our struggle, and basically." Uh, insinuating to Sam Cooke, it was just like this. This should have been you, because you know what the fuck is going on. It's like that's why we're friends, you know. I see your potential, but um, earlier when he <laughs> when he put on one of Sam Cooke's records, that it's just like very surface level. It's just you know, I love you, 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 I love. Yeah. It's just very you know flighty, lovey dovey. It's just like no matter how. No matter how I hard mean, you try, and these people that you play to, that you're trying to to reach, are never gonna love you. And there was a there was a moment. Oh God, the acting was so good in this. There was a moment when uh, Malcolm X, played by Kingsley Ben Adir, was saying to Sam Cooke, he was just like, no matter how much you try, these people will never love you. And there was like this flash of like anger. He was just like, you're. Like you're a fucking fool for even for even trying. And what made the interaction so, so amazing is that you could see both their perspectives. Like Malcolm is right in many ways. He's just like this. uh, This audience, you know, 
only sees you as like a dancing monkey. Um, that's that's all you are to them, and you're you're kind of wasting a certain amount of energy. But Sam Cooke, as somebody who knows the industry, he's a he's a musician, he's a singer. He's just like one day there aren't going to there's not going to be the pop charts and the black charts. There's just going to be one chart. I'm trying to lay groundwork for other people coming up behind me, and when he explained some of the some of the things that he's invested in uh in regards to uh the uh owning the rights to the music that's produced and the example that he set forth in the movie of a particular song that was written and how it crushed the original black artist that when he uh wrote the song or performed the song it never saw the heights that it did once it was performed by a white artists but then that feeling of being crushed passed when he started getting his first royalty checks. And he started to understand that while there's one disappointment, there's also another avenue to power and success and influence. So they both, mwah, like brilliant points in this movie. There, there was also that, that moment in that same speech where he's just like, it's amazing how, like, like he, he, he asked, you know, Malcolm X turns to Sam Cooke. He's like, uh, doesn't it make you mad, you know, that, that this white artist, that Bob Dylan, mm-hmm. a white man from Minnesota, speaks to the struggle but is not of the struggle? Right. Mm. He like, what does he have to gain from talking about the the uh, about the struggle, a general in a general sense, the struggle of being a man without really knowing what that is? Mm. Like who like who would like it's it's almost as if he's like, who is this song really for? Yeah, you know, and and it to me it just spoke to the invisibility of of white privilege, where you're just like you're listening to that song, and you're just like Bob Dylan. What do you know about like how many roads must a man walk down to truly you know become a man? You know, like what do you know about that? You're not you're a white man. You've you've got it you've got it made already. You know, <laughs> what it what is your struggle? So uh, there was that, and um, what else happened? Oh, the, 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 the talk between Malcolm X and Jim Brown about colorism, mm. which I was just surprised. I was like, wow, okay, we're going into this. That was some deep shit, man. Yeah. Um, and it was... Wow, I... I uh, Whenever I've I've seen similar arguments made in in other pop culture media, and I feel like I'm going to go back around and bring up X Men again. Um, <laughs> Got to make that change. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I've heard that that argument before, but in X Men, and, and it was like, oh, okay, the, so that's this is where that came from. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where he's just like, you know, you you uh, light skinned dudes. You know, you you talk big, you talk a big game, but like when it when push comes to shove, uh, us darker folk are the ones who are really bearing the brunt of it all. Brunt of it all, while you guys get it, get are are aren't don't have it as hard. 
And I was kind of blown away by that because he, he uh, Malcolm X, you could see him struggle with it. He was just like, I look, I, I'm, I'm not about, I'm not, I'm not about that life. You know, <laughs> I'm not about, you know, I'm not, uh, I, I've never seen, he, he goes into like the whole, I've never seen it that way kind of argument. He did. And he did. Yeah. But, but he also he also brought up a, another interesting point about colorism because um, he started the conversation by saying, what is it with you light skinned brothers being the most militant? And he, yeah. he started to break it down. He was just like, one of the things is, is that you're black, but you occupy this space that is different from being as dark as you know jim brown or or other folks of like his complexion um which puts which puts uh, a person of malcolm x's complexion in a weird place because they're still shit on by white people but in certain ways they're also shit on by black people um because they might be mixed they might have you know some sort of ambiguity in regards to their heritage and background so it's almost like they're getting it from both ends and as they get older they have to prove their blackness almost twice as much and when and when he said when he said that he was just like so so i'm wondering when you were coming down on sam is it because you're trying to prove yourself to white people or are you trying to prove yourself to black people? And that was, that was a deep, deep cut. Yeah. Because like when he said, are you, who are you trying to uh, appeal to? And I was just like, Oh man, that the first thing I thought of when he, when Jim Brown said that uh, was the whole thing in Hollywood with the paper bag test, right? Mm. If you're darker than this shade, eh, eh, you're not getting this job. You know, you have to like at least uh, because because it's more appealing to the eye, the lighter skinned you are. You know, you have to be like Halle Berry flavored mm. as opposed to like, you know, if and now we're, we're seeing that change like with regards to like pop culture where that dynamic is shifting a little bit mm. where it's just like, no, no, no. Black is beautiful. You know, you got your die. You <clears throat> Sorry, you got your Denai Guerreras, you got your Lupita Nyongos coming in. You've got like people who are of darker skin coming in and um and changing what we as a society in a grander scheme accept, you know. Mm. Um and it it really, you know, it really when he when Jim Brown said that it it actually cut me a little deep because I'm just like you know, it made me reflect on my own kind of position because I'm just like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm very light skinned uh, Latin Latino man, you know, um, and, you know, it's really important that I really reflect on the unseen benefits of my position in life, you know, mm. where it's just like I have, you know, more appealing features to the to the uh to the white hegemonic system you know as opposed to like you know um someone who is much darker skin you know than i am you mm. know so it it made me fair it just woke me up to like me being very becoming very self-aware of 
like just my entire you know some sometimes some people say shit to you like they they spit some truth on you that makes you think of your entire life <laughs> and that <laughs> And that's how I felt, where I was just like, what? And then it just zooms into my eyeball, and it's like, you know, I've always benefited from being light-skinned, you know? (laughs) Um, So, uh, yeah, it it really put me in check. It really... This movie is fucking sobering, is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) And, you know, it was... And it was meant to be. I mean, it's... uh, You know... In the modern age, uh, it's becoming more and more apparent and spoken about that the black community is not a monolith. Um, It's not, even though there is a commonality of struggle, especially um, in the United States, there are many different ways of thinking and moving and the, uh, and own, uh, and uh, a unique set of intraracial dynamics that people outside the community may not pick up on and this movie gives a little bit of a window into that that is um, illuminating and highlights how some of the conflict arises and might go to extremes depending on different groups of individuals like there were times in the movie where these characters almost came to blows um yeah for various for various reasons, you know, and it's and it highlighted that they're all they all have their own motivations, and sometimes those motivations come in conflict with each other. Um, but at the end of the day, they were still bound together by the struggle and wanting the same goals, which is freedom, which is uh, power to determine one's own life and not be under under the white gaze. Um, and, uh, it was, it, by the end of the movie, I was, uh, as Sam Cooke was debuting his song on that, uh, on that talk show and it sort of, uh, crossed over into sort of like the final or one of the, the pivotal events of each character's life after uh, this meeting in Miami I was like, I was moved in a, in a very deep way. Um, they, they, they were all bound together and came to this understanding of themselves. Uh, even though they, they know what they have to do just to crystallize it. They know what they have to do. They have to do something to, to better, to make things better for black people and to push the struggle forward. But that doesn't mean that you can't have moments of questioning, of doubt, of conflict. Um, for example, with Cassius Clay, aka Muhammad Ali, you know, at the beginning, he was uh, in regards to his relationship with Malcolm X. He's just like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna become a Muslim. Uh, I kept picking up on that pronunciation of, of Muslim, Muslim, um, yeah. and you know, I kind of love. <laughs> I, I, I loved it. Uh, he, I, he, by the way, I, I, I mean, I know we'll, when people think of the cinematic Ali, they're just like, Will Smith. I'm like, mm. this dude had had Will Smith beat by a mile. I, I feel like his the, that accent, the way he moved, I was just like, oh, this dude is... I don't, I don't know how long he studied to be to become Muhammad Ali but he 
he pulled in a, like an amazing performance. Oh, anyway, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go, go on ahead. Yes. Uh, played by the impeccable Ellie Gorey. Um, yeah. He she was free. he totally brought him to life on screen. Um, but uh, the relationship between Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X, you know, had this really interesting dynamic. You could tell that they were super close, almost like a, a mentor and mentee, but also friends kind of relationship. And at times, you know, Muhammad Ali kind of had to try to like check Malcolm X a little bit. It's just like, you're kind of, you're kind of coming down hard on Sam. Like, you know, you don't, you got ease up a little bit. And then uh, when Malcolm X revealed that he was leaving the nation of Islam, that, that the, the politics within the organization uh, was kind of pushing him into a different path and he was hoping that Muhammad Ali would come with him as he was going to go and form his own organization. That's when Muhammad Ali was just like, damn, was this a friendship or were you just using me to to raise you know your own star and start your own following because you know nobody wants to be used in that sense. Um, and then he... It's like there was almost a break in that relationship. He was just like, he was like, brother, if you feel, if you feel like that is what I did, then, you know, I encourage you, walk away. And uh, just at that point, uh, as we're nearing the end of the movie, there are reporters outside of this hotel room where most of the movie takes place. And my, uh, they're there for Muhammad Ali. And he's about to go out there and speak to them. And he pauses at the door, still holding on to that anger and realizes he's stepping into a bigger world. I mean, earlier that night, he just won the world championship. And he's just like, my life is about to change. How do I want it to proceed from here? And he realized that the relationship and the contributions that Malcolm X made to his life to get him to that point were were crucial um and that this was this was a relationship that went beyond spirituality and um went beyond his boxing career it was it was for the culture in many ways and i think he had that moment and that's when he said are you coming and Malcolm X was just like, yo, I thought you were done with me. He was just like, me? He was just like, you know, I, I want you I want you standing with me. Uh, I thought that was... <sighs> it was very powerful. Yeah. It was very powerful. Uh, yeah, I, I, I... And this movie, to me, was just like so incredible at how it captured these four iconic, historically renowned men... It, it, at at a crossroads where the, where where it, it their decisions were almost like monuments towards where America the United States was heading and uh, how the conflict be the the struggle the black struggle um versus the uh, you know the white gaze uh, what direction that was going to take so um I was I was just like, wow, uh, this is, this is much, uh, 
it was much more impactful than I would have thought, given that I thought that this movie was just about four men in a room talking. But it was just like, it, it's not just about that. It's about like, it's about so many other things. It's about colorism. It's about like uh, the 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 decisions of the future of black leadership mm. and also the danger of the white society at large, given how, you know, uh, Hoover's men, you know, the FBI was, you know, uh, kind of like, you know, uh, uh, hanging around on the outskirts on the peripheral of the screen, you know, mm where even if they weren't there in the room or they weren't interacting, you could feel that burden, that gaze, like Sauron's eye, like into that room, you know? And uh, Kingsley Benadir totally took us on that journey, man. He, that was, that was a side to Malcolm X that I'd never seen on screen before. You know, I mean, you, you we're, we're shown, you know, the strong guy, the man who, you know, has been through, certain struggles but you know there was a very real uh danger of surveillance from the state that does something to a person you know especially when you when you don't hold back shit <laughs> and they yeah and right and i loved how there was a conversation about that too like the other guys they were just like you can't just <laughs> you can't just go around you know calling every white person the devil like you know like some of us are trying to make money, you know, it was it, yeah. it, it, like and, and Sam Cooke. Like, I, I love how. Oh, man, it, it, I feel like people are going to be talking about this film for a while. But Sam Cooke, they never the conversation got so heated, but they never just out and out called him a sellout, even though that's what they were trying to. They were dancing around. that. Yeah, thing. yeah. And it, and it was like, you know, it's like broad appeal versus selling out. Like, when do you lose your validity, your your authenticity? It's I mean, it, it's just amazing. This was this was masterful. If, if this film doesn't win awards, uh, I I think that we should um, storm the Oscars. storm the cap storm the capital storm. <laughs> We should storm the Oscars is what we should do. Let's storm the Oscars. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> we'll dress up as, uh, you know, Star Wars aliens, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm going to get my Twi'lek tendrils stuck to the back of my head <laughs> and my chainmail bikini, and I'm just going to march in there and be like, I demand to be taken seriously. <laughs> Um, I'll show up. Anyway, I'll show up dressed up as John Delancey from uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, and be like, "Get it, get it! I'm Q. I'm Q." (laughs) Which is weird. Like, how do you dress up like Q? He's just dressed in like the 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 normal like you know uh, uh, what's it called Uh, Starfleet 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 garb. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll put on a mask or something, you know. <laughs> okay, gotcha. <laughs> um, have have yourself followed around by a mariachi band. Doesn't that happen in an episode? Yes, of, it like, does. Star Trek? Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> 
anyway, uh, just to bring it to a close. Ultimately, I feel like the the movie, uh, to me at least, it, it just it, it's about freedom, right? Yes. And what that what that word means, right? Mm. It's not just financial freedom. It's just the freedom and the the way it's summed up by by Muhammad Ali to uh, to um, to Jim Brown in the car. Where he was just like, it's not, or was it, was it, uh, was it Jim Brown or was it? Um, it was Sam Cooke. It was Sam Cooke. The way, the way it's addressed to Sam Cooke, where he's just like, it's not just about financial freedom. It's about being, having the free to express, to think the way I want and to have, you know, to express the, to express ourselves the way we want, you know? Mm. And it's like, yeah, but it, it's 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 just you know it's it's just so it just sucks that we as a society can't advance past like you're black i don't like black you know it basically the that kind of that kind of mentality it's like it's so over that that at least to me it's like that's that 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 feeling of that that outdated mode of 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 racism where it's just like it's it's just like uh i i i just feel like we as human beings are bigger than that and unfortunately what these times bring out is that people just can't get over it Mm. and white people just can't get over that people look different from them and have different cultures they just can't accept it Mm. and i'm just like it's been so long we've been fighting about this uh, around this subject for centuries isn't it time we we all break free from these shackles of oppression of tyranny mm-hmm. of race of the, of racism here and here 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 yeah and and that's what this film spoke to me you know and that's why i feel like it's gonna it's gonna be a movie that I, i'm going to study and and rewatch and rewatch and rewatch um you know for a, for a long time this is definitely in my library you mm. know so mm. alongside che which i feel like is a similar which is uh, is a similar movie uh <laughs> that i feel like we should watch down the line so yes yes um so what do you what are you thinking? Do you wanna do you wanna say something else uh, about the? Uh, do you have any parting thoughts about the movie? Parting before we wrap up, I I would just say watch this movie. It's it, if anything, the performances are just absolutely brilliant. Every actor brings like this spectrum of emotion, and the way they all interweave that with each other. Uh, it's amazing. It's 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 the closest thing to being in a theater that you can get to right now, but on your TV. It was a theatrical performance. Yes, agreed. And I think that about wraps it up. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so from both of us here, I'm Pablo Morali Martinez, and I'm Ernesto Mancibo. And together we are the Robots versus Taxes program on Radio Free Brooklyn. While you're out there, you could try keeping it real. But you should try keeping it right. Song of the Week.
But I know a change gonna come. 